today I'm joined in the writer's studio by Marie Dariasek, whose latest book, Sleepless, published by Fitzcarraldo, is one writer's attempt to describe, understand and perhaps overcome her insomnia. The passages in Sleepless that take us into the mind of the insomniac are somewhat like the experience of insomnia itself, at times fragmented and hypnagogic, at others dazzlingly alert and perceptive. While those that investigate the potential cures are captivating in their detail, description and weirdness. For those whose lives have never been blighted by insomnia, Sleepless will be a fascinating insight into this strangest and most psychologically traumatic of conditions. While those who have suffered it will, I'd imagine, find in these pages solidarity and solace. Marie, welcome back to Shakespeare and Company. Thank you, Adam. Um, At a moment in the book, you write, this book is the result of 20 years of panic and of journeys through books and through my nights. So for our listeners, would you be able to talk a little about the experience that gave rise to this book and why you decided that you had to write about it? Um, I became aware with my own experience and the experience of other insomniacs that uh, it was a major um, social medical issue. It's a a major suffering, chronical suffering, and it can be very dangerous. Um, What uh, is lacking in the life of insomniacs, chronic insomniacs, is the interruption. Mm -hmm. You can never get interrupted. I mean, um, people who sleep, uh, at some point, if even if their life is difficult, even if they suffer in the daytime, when they put their head on the pillow, it stops. Mm-hmm. Their thoughts are interrupted. This, um, this way your thoughts are turning over and over in your mind when you, when you don't sleep. You get interrupted. Mm-hmm. And Sioran, who is not my favorite uh, writer, Emile Sioran, who was an insomniac, said that obviously, and I think he's right, uh, insomniacs tend to be more co- tend to commit uh-huh. suicide more often than somniacs. Yes, because uh, what you seek when you don't sleep is the interruption. You, for example, mm. if you take people like uh, I think his name was Heather Ledger. He played the mm. Joker mm-hmm. in one of the Batman's. He was a great guy, a, a really a rising star of Hollywood. Yeah. And he couldn't sleep. And uh, his last sentence, apparently, to a a friend on the phone was, I can't sleep, damn, I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. And he overdosed on apparently a mixture of, um, uh, I don't have the names in English, but um, uh, sleeping pills, antihistaminic, antidepressant, and anything you can find uh, anywhere to sleep, you Uh know, this cocktail. This guy, and I, I think you can also say that about about Whitney Houston, about Prince, and about all the unknown uh, mm-hmm. insomniacs. These people, it's not a suicidal attempt. It's a sleep attempt. Mm-hmm. It happens. It happened also to Virginia Woolf. Right. Virginia Woolf um, claimed she did not try to commit suicide in her, was it her 30s? Mm-hmm. She tried to sleep, uh-huh. as did Barbara, the great French singer right. Barbara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was everywhere in the press in the 60s that this famous singer wanted to commit suicide at a, at a suicidal attempt. No, she said, I just tried to sleep. And she even did a song about it that yeah. I reproduced in the book. Yeah. So it's a very, it's a major um, 
health issue. Mm -hmm. And the cure uh, is very... Um, each time I go... I, in the book, as I write, I tried everything. Uh -huh. And there's no real cure. Mm -hmm. You have to know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For the moment. Well, yeah. this is one of the things... And you use the term chronic insomniacs. Um, and at a, at a moment, you're talking to uh, your now your late publisher... Um, Paul. And mm. Paul. And he, at a moment, he said to you, um, obviously translated here, when it comes to sleep, I've got the knack. Mm -hmm. And I must admit that was, that's essentially my experience too. I I have suffered from what I thought of as insomnia, like in moments of great stress or something like that when I've had difficulty sleeping or in moments of great excitement. But when you read the experiences of a chronic insomniac, you realise actually it's, you can almost divide the world into those who sleep and mm. those who can't sleep. And one of the fascinating things about reading this book is, as somebody who does sleep as a somniac, getting an insight into mm. Mm -hmm. this, almost this other dimension of life, which I have never experienced. It is another dimension, you're right. Um, it's always very annoying when you're, you're an insomniac, uh, when people tell you, when you get really tired, you will sleep, uh -huh. because they put it on the moral ground. Mm. Uh, it has nothing to do with uh, morals or with uh, laziness uh -huh. or with uh, working too much or not enough. It's not that. There's, there's a, a, a profound distinction to be made between, between occasional insomnia that you experienced and ongoing insomnia. For example, you can have noise-induced insomnia, light-induced insomnia. There's this wonderful movie um, by Christopher Nolan, I think, called Insomnia with Al Pacino. Mm. The, the cop prayed by Al Pacino cannot sleep because, because he has been transferred to Alaska mm -hmm. in summer. So he fights the light, but also... But the film is much deeper because, in fact, you realize he cannot sleep because there is this unsolved um, murder uh -huh. that he couldn't prevent That that is... Uh, triggering his sleep, uh, yeah. if you can say. Also, I was very interested in uh, those uh, um, sort of community insomnias like Brexit-induced insomnia uh -huh. or Trump-induced insomnia <laughs> that people really do talk about. Yeah. But uh, as Marguerite Duras put it, there's no theme to the insomnia uh -huh. we are talking about here. There's no... Uh, sleep itself becomes the point. Sleep itself because becomes the trouble. You just don't sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's the issue. Uh, it's not because you're going to catch a train early. It has uh -huh. nothing to do with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really interested in this idea of the potentially moral or even sort of um, character-driven sort of projection that we put onto yeah. onto the insomniac. So I think there's a moment where you, um, you quote um, Victor Hugo, or you at least cite him and he says, like, a, a clear conscience is worth more than a prosperous life. I prefer a good sleep to a good bed. So this idea that if your conscience is clear, you will sleep well. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also this side, and I think maybe you were a little perhaps susceptible to it yourself. Um, there's a moment where you said that you're rereading um, Tarkovsky's diaries and you're kind of disappointed that this <laughs> artist that you love is not an insomniac. Mm -hmm. is, is there a part of you that sort of hoped an explanation for your insomnia might be connected to your artistic brain and your creativity? I just realised at four o'clock in the morning, uh, because I suffer from um, both insomnia, I cannot get to sleep. Mm -hmm. And when I'm asleep, I wake up much yeah. too early. 
So at, at four o'clock, uh, I'm just most of the time now. All all I I know all I have to do is just catch a book and mm-hmm. read. Mm-hmm. And so many, many times I was standing in front of my, my bookshelves and the books I was, uh, I, I tended to, to grab were, you know, this incredible unconscious uh, of books, l'inconscient des livres. Mm. When, when you are focused on something, you open a book at yes. random and it speaks to you yes. about this very thing. <laughs> it's incredible. But also because our our bookshelves have their own logic. Ah. They are auto-portraits, self, right. self-portraits. Yes. So, of course, each time I grabbed a book at random, it was not, it was always Marguerite Duras, Proust. Mm-hmm. Well, Proust is just the boss, the yes. saint patron of insomnia. <laughs> he, he wrote nine volumes about it, you yes. know, uh, uh, I, 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 went to, I used to go to bed early and then I woke, everybody forgets what follows. And then half an hour after I woke up uh-huh. uh, telling myself you have to sleep. I translate yeah. more yeah, or less. Sure. Okay. But this, this gap between going to sleep and waking up mm-hmm. immediately is the drama mm-hmm. of bad sleepers. Yeah. Before, when I was not an insomniac, I, 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 I was a good sleeper until I was 32. I, could, I loved Kafka. I mm-hmm. had always loved Kafka, but I couldn't understand his diary. Uh-huh. As soon as I became an insomniac, his diary was like mon mm-hmm. livre de chevet, how do you, the, right. the, the very book that stays at my bedside, bedside okay? Yeah. It's, as you know, it's a very thick book uh-huh. and, and uh, it, you can open it anywhere. There's always this, Kafka is always in the zone, mm-hmm. what, what I call the zone, or Tarkovsky called the zone in Stalker, mm-hmm. uh, is this zone when you think you are sleeping, but in fact you are not, or you think you are not sleeping, but in fact you are sleeping, uh-huh. is this zone where images come to your mind, it's the beginning of dreams. Good sleepers, they stay in that zone five seconds, uh-huh. two minutes. Five minutes. Mm-hmm. Bad sleepers, insomniacs, they stay in the zone uh-huh. all night. It's absolutely exhausting. And that's what Kafka describes. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a trip. It's a travel mm-hmm. through this zone. That's why many times in Kafka di- Kafka's diary, he has visitors, very strange visitors, old blind men, mm-hmm. this child uh, who is... Uh, perhaps a ghost, this little girl. And he's not psychotic at yeah. all. He, it's not hallucinations either. He's in the zone. He's dreaming and not dreaming. That's how you can understand one of his famous sentences. Um, Seulement des rêves, pas de sommeil toute la nuit. All night, only dreams, no sleep. Mm. Uh, uh, now I understand. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. absolutely exhausting. You have a double life. You live twice, but you never sleep. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's really deadly. It's a deadly situation. Given given the strangeness of this this condition, and given that um, we all know as writers that sort of attempting to write about dreams, for example, mm-hmm. is not only very difficult but also almost doomed to fail in a sense because it's so hard to get down. Was that a particular challenge to you? when you decided to, to write about the, the condition of insomnia, to actually find the words, the structure, the grammar to do justice to this, this feeling, this experience? 
Is it Henry James who said, tell a dream, lose a reader? Yes, it yeah, was. Tell yeah. a dream, lose a reader. And actually, I agree. Uh, or the dream has to be very short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I love Georges Perec, who was also an insomniac. Yes. Uh, and, but I, there is one book that I cannot read. It's his book of dreams, La Boutique Obscure. Mm, yes, yes. Because I find it boring. Because it, it's only about him in a... It's very difficult to universalize a dream, mm-hmm. except if you do theory like Jung. Sure. But your own dreams, they really, it's your very, very own story. Uh-huh. But um, to, what was your question? Well, you see, what's happening to me <laughs> is that I, I lose my ideas. Of course, yeah. And I have blank moments. I'm not a truck driver. I don't have to be uh, in a school mm-hmm. at eight o'clock in the morning in, f- in front of small children. So it's not that bad. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm not going to kill anybody <laughs> because I didn't sleep, yeah. really. But if you're a, a bus driver, if you're, or, or for example, as a mother of three children, I knew I had a tendency to be extremely impassioned mm-hmm. because when you're exhausted and it's 6 p.m. and they are, you they are back from school everything is okay the homework is done you've been able to write a little bit but okay now they have to take a bath and they have to eat or they have to eat and then they have to take a bath but Uh both things have to be done yeah and my husband was not always here i'm a feminist Mm. but many most of the days i had to do that yeah and i can tell you when you have a slept last night three kids that Mm. you have to feed it's it's like a mountain to yeah. climb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can be, uh, it can be, you can become a bad person and a mm. bad parent uh, if you're a bad sleeper. It's 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 really a, a social issue. So mm. I gradually I learned to take naps, mm-hmm. and it saved me and my family. <laughs> but truly, I I also there is a part in the book where I I'm telling about the way my, my husband, the father of my kids, is an, an insomniac too, but we don't have the same insomnia. Right. So we, there is a part about, um, uh, how do you call that in English? We don't sleep in the same bed. Right. Faire yeah. chambre à part. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Sleep in separate rooms. Yeah. It's like the last taboo, uh-huh. especially in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, you don't sleep in the same room. Oh, my God. So, yeah, of course, I sleep in my office, mm-hmm. uh, which is very bad because my work is always there. Of but course. I live in Paris and Paris is so expensive <laughs> that we cannot afford two bedrooms. Yes. But but it's, a, it's also this not sleeping becomes the story of your life mm-hmm. it um, determines where you sleep at what hour you sleep and the use of your apartment mm-hmm. in a very precise way or if you're really lost in insomnia in a very big disorder yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and also uh, uh, this book you know uh, you know me as a writer i, I don't i i like to tell about embarrassing things uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because i mean we all share embarrassing things but uh this um uh series american series called um desperate housewives yes one thing that really struck me was it like 15 years ago this series mm-hmm. there was one of the character i can't remember her name but when it was exactly 6 p.m mm-hmm. she was already holding the empty glass of wine and uh-huh. pouring the glass at 6 p.m <laughs> I understand her so well because life is unbearable by many aspects. Mm-hmm. But if you don't sleep on top of it, my resi- I, I really vividly remember that uh, when to find strength to give the bath and food to my kids, mm-hmm. most of the time I was half drunk sure. because I had to drink. <laughs> I had yeah, to drink yeah, to yeah. cope. So uh, what I mean is not the story of my life. What I mean is that insomnia 
very easily leads to uh, uh, addictions mm -hmm. and to uh, self-destructive um, impulses. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And also you can get crushed by mm. a car in the street because you're so distracted. So it's really a dangerous condition. Well, I guess there's there's two things. Actually, I will come back to, because uh, you asked me what the question was, and it was about the tool, oh. the tools for writing about insomnia. But we'll, come, we'll park that. We'll come back to it later. Because I want to pick up on that, is that there, there seem to me sort of two ways of addressing insomnia, both of which you, you try in, in the long experience uh, you've had of it. One is, as you described there, is not to seek a cure for it, but to find ways to cope with it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that might yeah. be drinking alcohol, that might be well, uh, taking not sleeping Not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, oh yes. Um, and then there are other, um, the other side is, which might be considered the more, I guess, the more healthy approach, which is to look for potential solutions to the problem. But as you said earlier, there's no guarantee that you're going to to find those. I'm, I, I, I tried everything. Uh, let's start with mm -hmm. that. Um, I, I've gone through uh, maybe 15 years of psychoanalysis. Mm -hmm. uh, it helped me really live, uh -huh. uh, but it never really helped me to sleep. I tried hypnosis, acupuncture, relaxation, meditation, yoga nidra. Mm -hmm. I tried EMDR. I don't know if you call it that way, but all these techniques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, uh, I tried coaching, etc. Um, I tried gadgets. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a list of gadgets. I, I'm just going to quote the gravity blanket. Right. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That we, sounded, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not an insomniac, but I am a bit claustrophobic. And yeah, that okay. sounded terrifying, <laughs> the gravity blanket. The gravity blanket, with space and gravity in its beautiful name, is an extremely heavy blanket, a sort of large comforter invented by a young American entrepreneur. I was hoping to recreate the miracle of one of the most wonderful nights of my life. Insomniacs marvel at a good night's sleep more than they do of a night of love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that most wonderful night was spent, well, it's a long story. I was jet-lagged. I was in a ryokan in Kyoto, in a, this sort of traditional inn, and I was very, very... Uh, insomniacs tend to get very cold. Uh. I was freezing and I had the idea to put the other tatami mm. on top of me. Right. So it was oh, wow. very okay. heavy <laughs> and I was like sandwiched yeah. into, in, be in between two tatamis and I slept like uh. a log, as uh. you say in, in, in English. Because in France we say I slept like a baby, which uh -huh. is silly because yeah, babies yeah. don't sleep. They wake, wake up screaming <laughs> they, every two yes, hours. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so this gravity blanket, well, I... I I ordered it, I remember, on, on the internet, because it had to be made according to the size and weight of the customer and filled with micro-lead be beads, beds, beads, 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 yeah. Beads, yeah. So <laughs> it was a long story that I tell in the book. But I was able, at, at last, with this blanket, to let myself be crushed by it. It was as long as, as wide as me. And so it was very difficult to be restless. Mm -hmm. On the first night, my knee got stuck in a painful position, so I woke up. On the second <laughs> night, I had, I had not secured the blanket well enough and it fell on the ground, bang, <laughs> so I woke up. And on the third night, the, the weight of it was so badly distributed that I was smothered at the chest and my feet were sticking up in the air and getting cold. So it was a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I tested so many things, so <sighs> many gadgets. I also hope the book is Funny because, uh -huh. well, as I told you, I can, I can, my, I can cope with it uh -huh. because I'm a writer, mm -hmm. and now my kids are grown up. But I'm, 
seen this way, I, uh, this whole story of never being able to sleep mm-hmm. properly is like a Buster Keaton movie or mm-hmm. a Charlie Chaplin movie. It fails all the time. Yes. I, I fall all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I stumble all the time. So it's like, I how do you say in farce? Yeah, it's a farce. It's yeah. a farce. Yeah. My insomnia is a farce because there is a, 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 a comic de répétition. Mm. Yeah, um, the, the comedy of repetition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a comedy of repetition uh-huh. in my own case. So I also have hope that the book is is funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it is. I mean, it's certainly entertaining. <laughs> and, you, and you were uh, asking me how, what, which tools I used. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I will... My, my difficulty was that I was trying to describe a vortex. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I entered insomnia now 25 years ago, I really entered a vo- vortex of repetition, um, um, themes coming back and coming back. Of course, death. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, of course, Kafka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my obsession with Kafka and my my being crushed also with with Kafka. You know, I, he's too big for me. He's mm-hmm. uh, and I think I remember vividly also that. It was during a night of insomnia that I understood, I think, why Kafka was never able to finish a novel. Mm-hmm. Because what he was writing was too big, even for him. Yeah. It, it was crushing him. It, it was, his genius was too big for his human person. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So I, so I have all these obsessions. I, I, I kept dreaming, night dreaming, day dreaming about big waves all the time. And... Um, so I wanted to describe that it has no plan mm-hmm. and you have no plan in an insomnia. Um, so I found this method of um, following many threads and putting images because it, it's mm. very much about images. Um, it can be paintings. It can be images I took with my phone in my many travels. It can be also I, I, I took pictures of the, di- of the different cures I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so the book has no real plan. I mean, it's seven parts mm-hmm. full of little paragraphs, but it's um, written by images, mm-hmm. uh, and I it gave me the freedom to get rid of transition. I hate transition, mm-hmm. even when I write novels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to the idea you have to deal with. Come on. Mm-hmm. I hate when, you know, characters <laughs> climb the stairs and fumble for their key and open the door and close the door. Oh, give me a break, you know, just get into the room. Yeah. <laughs> so the insomnia, it, it's weird. It works a bit that way. You jump from yeah. an idea to another or you follow something else for too long. Mm. I, I needed those images to... Give me a beat, you know, mm-hmm. for the book. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It, 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 the way I'm I'm telling the insomnia is as important as what I'm telling about. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that it's particularly important for readers like myself who have not suffered from this, mm. not to um, not to feel disconnected from the subject matter. That at least in a sort of a a, a distant way, we experience some of mm. the sensation or mm-hmm. as much as possible through the through the writing and also it's not uh i'm nobody is guilty mm-hmm. you see what i mean if, yeah, yeah. if i'm a victim nobody's guilty yeah, uh, yeah or uh, very um macro structures like capitalism right <laughs> they are there's this very good book by jonathan crary mm-hmm. uh in, in english it's um in french it's le capitalisme à l'assaut du sommeil 
Well, mm. it's still is that capitalism prevents you from uh, sleeping yeah, from yeah. the very beginning, yeah, from yeah. Ford, from the factories, yeah. from and now with the internet, of course. Yeah. And Cranberry uh, wrote the book just before the social media ah. uh, uh, huge <laughs> success <laughs> on our lives. So of course, at four a.m. in the morning, I well don't go uh, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Don't open your computer. Don't even listen to the radio. It's the best advice I can uh-huh. give. Yeah. Read books. <laughs> yeah. But this was something I was going to pick up on, though, because there's also a moment in the book where you talk about this concept. I think it's called biphasic sleep. Yes. Um, which is that sort of so naturally or in the past in sort of rural communities, yeah. people would often sleep in two phases. Absolutely. So they go to sleep at a certain time, wake up, do, do some stuff, get some tasks done and then have a second period yeah. of sleep. It's also, when you think about it, in wintertime, the night is very long mm-hmm. and uh, fire uh, dies. So it's normal to wake up around three or four because mm-hmm. you're very cold. So the whole family woke up, ate something to get warmer, um, put an, another fire on, built another fire. And as my psychiatrist uh, told me, because I went to see that, uh, that specialist of sleep, they often made love again and mm. more babies. Uh-huh. And that's <laughs> how the middle ages worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they woke up and went back to sleep, let's say, around five and did another part of the uh, night yeah. by physics sleep. Also, she told me, as you get older, you you turn mm. more naturally. Yeah, yeah. When people uh, stop working, it's very natural yeah. that they have two nights. Uh, so I, uh, so she advised me to, to accept that. Uh, and I told her... Uh, I, I would hate to live in the Middle Ages, especially uh. as a woman, and I'm not old enough. So, <laughs> so please, I just want a full night uh. in one block, yeah. you know. But it's, it's an interesting consideration that maybe, and you referred to sort of capitalism imposing certain structures. It made me think a little bit of the the Scottish, um, well, he wasn't really a psychoanalyst, but R.D. Lang, who uh, wrote about the sort of, you know, when he was talking about certain mental illnesses, that it's not necessarily the person who's ill, but the society sure. that's ill. Yes. And I did wonder if that we could say a similar thing about sleep, like perhaps not everybody is suited to, you know, physically, constitutionally suited yes. to mm-hmm. sleep in that kind of eight hour block. But because of the way the rhythms of our, our lives and mm-hmm. our capitalist society works, we try and force everybody to fit into the same, Absolutely. The same way of doing and things. And first of all, the babies. Because yes. we need yeah, yeah. the babies to sleep yeah. as we do. Well, babies are insomniac. When yeah, they are. Oh, no, sorry, insomniac. They're nocturnal. They're, they're, they, they, and they need to feed more than we yes. do. So, yeah, so yeah. it's normal that they don't sleep. Yeah. But we, we, in a way, we crush them. We, we break them yes. into our uh, night format. Mm-hmm. format. Robert Herkish mm-hmm. wrote this wonderful book, The, the History of Night. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who um, gave this interesting theory that um, our problems with sleep started with the illumination of the streets. Right. So in, at the yeah. end of the Middle Ages, the states um, that, that were, it was the birth of mm. the modern states in Venice and yeah. other yeah, cities, yeah. first cities, and um, they uh, put lights at the crossroads. Mm-hmm. And the state was watching that everybody was home mm. sleeping except the bakers. Right. And the sentinels, you say, the yeah. the watch, the guardmen, the watchmen. The watchmen. Yeah. yeah. And we can imagine that in the cave, in the prehistoric mm. cave, everybody tried to sleep except the watchmen, yes. and they took turns. And I, I suffer. I was diagnosed after a long um, uh, medical journey. I was diagnosed with hypervigilance, mm-hmm. hypervigilance. Yeah, hypervigilance, yeah. which is quite common. Yeah. But I, I'm as soon as I had babies, it's not their fault. Uh-huh. It's me. 
I, I my with the birth of my first baby, I got hyper. I, I became a watch woman. Yeah, yeah. I was on my guard all the time, mm-hmm. in a very magical way. Um, for example, I, I I let my kids do many things. I'm not in Merpool and mother yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> but at night, all this anxiety that I keep under you know guard, um, uh-huh. she the, the anxiety comes back to me. Uh-huh. Uh, I see her like a woman. <laughs> she, <laughs> and I'm I'm so scared that uh-huh. something bad happens to them, so I keep awake. Uh-huh. And uh, some pro- some people have the same problem on planes. They mm. can't sleep on planes because they have to keep the plane in the air. Right. <laughs> For me, it's exactly the contrary uh-huh. because I become totally passive on a plane. The 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 the, 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 con- the pilot. Is the only person in command. Mm-hmm. I always sleep on a plane <laughs> because I can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Alia Jaktaest, uh, yeah. Inshallah. No, <laughs> well, I can't do anything. I'm powerless. Yeah. It's the only situation where I sleep when mm-hmm. I'm totally powerless. It's a sort of megalomania, my insomnia. You know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. something is going to happen if I sleep. No. <laughs> <laughs> One thing the um, the book expands though as also beyond your your personal experience of insomnia. I hope so. Yeah. Um, so there are uh, some fascinating, um, and this is not specifically necessarily about insomnia, but definitely connected to the idea of of ghosts and restfulness. So there's, you talk, you, there's quite long sections writing about uh, uh, your experiences visiting Gabon, for example, mm-hmm. and, the, uh, and the forests of, of Gabon. Could you just talk a little bit for our listeners about how those two experiences are connected for you? The magic and insomnia, or mm. um, or the travels, and yeah, insomnia. The, all, well, all of it together, mm. really. Hmm. I realized I, I was lucky to travel a lot and to share um, magical heritage because I'm Basque mm-hmm. in the, this small country in the southwest of France and Spain. Um, my, as I'm telling the story in the book, many of my grandmothers, grand aunts, great grand aunts were witches. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they were, were having table turns or, yeah, yeah. or uh, con, you know, um, summoning the spirits. They did that. I can't say I believe them, but I don't don't believe them. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, in the zone. Uh, yes. And it's very Romanesque. Uh-huh. So. And so I, I was able to share um, these feelings, this um, sensibility, I suppose, with uh, uh, many people I met in the Gulf de Guinea, in the mm. Guinea Gulf, yes. uh, not only in Gabon, but also in Cameroon, in Ivory Coast. And also, uh, uh, it's very... Uh, um, in Cameroon, they call the French language our war treasure. Mm. It's very weird for a traveler to be able to speak French yeah. with these yeah, people. Yeah. So, But I could share a lot of experience and magical uh, thinking and magical approach of the forest. And I was very uh, interested in it. Uh, but what was really interesting for me, it was the approach of sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, I, and again, I'm not saying that Africa is a magical country. Sure. Yeah. Please no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was interested in other places, um, traumatized places like Rwanda, like mm. Ethiopia. Like Calais in mm-hmm. France, where all the people who tried to join uh, England gather. Yeah. Uh, I was very interested in um, the effects of trauma mm. on sleep. Mm-hmm. And it's a lottery. It's mm. a sinister lottery. Some people sleep, some people don't. Mm-hmm. I remember in Rwanda uh, talking with a um, 
I, I became friends with um, to see um, survivors of the genocide. I, I did a creative writing uh, workshop there, working on trauma. And I remember that uh, some of them slept mm-hmm. or even escaped in sleep. Mm. And some others absolutely couldn't sleep and had to do a lot of magical thinking stuff like, you know, like we all do when mm. we are traumatized, like turning twice the key and then mm. back again and then again the key and li- leaving a light uh, on and then not and then sleeping next to the bed or, you know, mm. in a certain position. All this magical thing, talk, yeah, yeah, yeah. as we also say. And with the same, um, let's say, experience of trauma, some other people just slept. Uh-huh. It was very, very strange. Yeah. In Calais, I was working with um, younger migrants. I hate that word migrant, but let's call them that way. Forced travelers. Mm. Forced travelers. And uh, they slept on really actually in um in they slept on a pile of rubber that they digged holes in the in the rubber to to get uh, as warm as they could. But uh, I remember talking to them and feel, feeling very very ashamed because I was going to go back to my nice and cozy mm. and warm hotel mm-hmm. and knowing that it was impossible to 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 tell them to come it was too yes. complex yeah, so yeah, I yeah. had to assume the fact that I was going to sleep in my cozy room and one of them. They were all very young, like 16, 17. One of them gave me a gift but for the rest of my writing life. He told me, you have to go back to the hotel and get some rest to be able to write our story. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that, that stayed with me a lot. But, but also, I remember in that cozy room at three o'clock, I couldn't sleep. Uh-huh. And it had nothing to do with them. It was yeah. not more. Yeah, yeah. It was not because I was feeling guilty. I just went on on my own private yeah, insomnia. Yeah, yeah. Although there is an interesting reflection concerning, um, again, I, I, with you, I don't, I don't particularly like the word migrants, but concerning yeah. concerning these people, where you talk about the the possibility of sleep, mm-hmm. uh, and the possibility of sleep, in some way, being dependent on owning something or having something where you can sort of create the conditions of sleep and so when you are um as these people are you use the term non-persons in the eyes of the law then you as a non-person you can you have non-sleep in yeah. a way and i, I thought and it was non-rights really, and non-rights mm-hmm. exactly walter benjamin uh, wrote wonderful pages about uh, the 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 very conditions of, of sleep uh, mm. and what uh, is the bourgeoisie Right. Uh, the bourgeoisie is to own furniture, mm-hmm. he says, <laughs> and a bed. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a bed, and uh, and cushions on mm-hmm. the bed, and blankets. Yeah. And uh, I saw with my eyes uh, those young migrants. Uh, it was after the dismantling of the so-called jungle in Cali. I saw the um, the, the policemen. I mean, they are not always bad people, mm-hmm. policemen, but they applied orders and they gassed the sleeping bags. Mm-hmm. So they, th- that was the only thing they owned, these yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. And the sleeping bags full, uh, full of uh, tear gas, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You, well, it, it's over. You can't use it anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. dangerous. It's, yeah. it's, uh, so they were, it, they were just in their trousers mm. and, and anoraks and, and, and gloves and shoes. And that's it. Yeah. They owned what they were wearing. That's it. So, of course, you cannot sleep. Mm. But some of them did because they were so young. Uh-huh. Th- that's the drama that's another subject we receive the healthiest 
the most energetic of all these kids. Yes. The forced travelers are heroes, I'm yeah, telling yeah, yeah, yeah. you. And so, yes, they, they had the strength, the strength and the courage to sleep. Mm -hmm. So let's not put it in moral terms sure. because it's more complex than that. But uh, we are wasting so many uh, incredible kids uh -huh. in this horrible adventure of migration. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Just to um, to conclude, I'd just like to come back to the... Because we talked a bit at the beginning about the, the motivations for writing the book. Um, I'd like to return to that and also just to, to see kind of what has come out of it for you. So when, when you started writing about it, did you hope that in writing about it, you might in some way improve the situation? Has that happened? Or if, whether it's happened or not, have you... Has writing about it given you a different perspective on your insomnia um i i could share the experience i could uh, it, it had a, a practical effect my um my gp uh i think she heard me uh, she saw me on tv you know in a literary show and uh, the next time i went to see her she said with some pity in her voice so you really don't sleep and i told her it's been 20 years and i'm yeah. telling you that i don't sleep and i like her really uh. but she used to give me herbal medicine mm -hmm. you know and she told me okay we are going to try something else and actually she um, she, she we uh, we are trying a new medicine mm -hmm. that is not bad that yeah. is but I, I mean i'm not telling about the new drug i'm taking <laughs> i'm telling about the new eyes she uh. put on me at, at least, at mm. last, she believed me, yeah, yeah, in a way. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's incredible. You suffer from chronic pain and people don't believe you, even yeah. even the doctors. So I, I had this experience that many chronic sufferers ha have. People don't believe you, mm -hmm. even the specialists. Sometimes, especially the specialists, don't believe you. And did the book change? Yes, I'm, I'm a bit more... Um, uh, as a neurotic person, I'm not. I'm more on the hysteria uh -huh. side of the force, <laughs> and as a good hysteric, I like having a public, uh -huh. <laughs> and the public cures me. Mm -hmm. The public uh, does me good. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a writer, I know that. So, so yes, telling everybody that, or not everybody, but the people interested, that I'm an insomniac mm -hmm. truly helped me. Yes. Yeah. 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 T being taken more seriously in this mm -hmm. insomnia. And do you have a better understanding? Do you feel of the insomnia itself by having to articulate it? Um, one thing that really helped me was this diagnosis mm -hmm. of hypervigilance. And I realized we were many of be, to be hypervigilant. Mm -hmm. It's quite common. Um, and, and I realized that insomnia has nothing to do with creativity. Mm -hmm. It would be too easy. It's not that simple. But the writers or artists I prefer are all insomniacs. Mm -hmm. That's what I yeah. realized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think they are the best. Except Tarkovsky. <laughs> Tarkovsky, as you put it, I was a little bit disappointed that he sleeps so well in his diary, but Stalker, oh, his movie, can be seen as a metaphor of insomnia. Yes. yes. Because yes. his characters don't sleep. Uh -huh. A lot of them don't sleep. Mm. Yeah. Well, Sleepless is, an, as I say, an absolutely fascinating read. Um, I imagine comforting to those who suffer from insomnia in some way and uh, very informative um, and insightful for those of us who don't. It's available of course, from Shakespeare and Company, uh, from our bricks and mortar store, from our website. It's also available from your local independent bookstore, wherever that may be. All this left for me to say is, Marie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Adam. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Shakespeare and Company podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, it would be great if you could help us spread the word by reviewing or rating us in your favourite app or just by sending the link to your friends. And don't forget, if you'd like even more from Shakespeare and Company, you can subscribe now through Apple Podcasts or Patreon for just €3 a month. Links to both are available in the show notes to this episode. Production of this podcast is all done in-house here at Shakespeare and Company Paris. All music is by Alex Fryman, whose album Play It Gentle is available to buy or stream wherever you listen. We'll be back soon. Until then, take care and thanks again for listening.